So we decided to stay in orthobiologics for this episode. We had a great response to Scott Bruder's uh, talk with us about what's kosher and not when it comes to orthobiologics. Today, we're talking to Jim Kovach, as well as Jaime Garza, uh, two NFL alumni uh, uh, who are now physicians, who are very passionate about cellular mediated therapies. They've been involved in research. And we talked a little bit about this with, with Scott's episode, where we talked about what you can and can't do. Uh, these doctors are involved in a, in a randomized controlled trial for pre-market approval, which is that arduous FDA process of being able to get something like this approved uh, for the masses, for actual treatment for specific diseases such as osteoarthritis, knee pain. I think it's kind of fascinating to be able to listen to how difficult the process is, but yet how passionate they are about getting across the finish line. You're going to like this episode. Hashtag follow the fro. So what happens when you come on the Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show? Well, you can ask Kevin Rocco from BioRes. Three weeks later after coming on our show, he's FDA cleared for his device. And next thing you know, he's at the AOSSM Anna meeting with us in Nashville, and he wins the ACE Innovative Medical Device Award. That's what we're talking about. Matthew Ray Scott, Vin Dasa, Joe Mullings in the Fro, checking out what you bring to the show. We give you analysis, we break it down, we give you advice. Who's up next? The Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show podcast. From medical media, this is the Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world. Uh, we're going to stay within the orthobiologic space. We had an amazing talk with Scott Bruder on a few episodes ago, so we thought it would be awesome to be able to dovetail that. We have two doctors who are incredibly passionate about orthobiologics and cellular-mediated therapies. We're going to welcome Dr. Jim Kovach and Dr. Jaime Garza. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you both. Thank you, Scott. Great to be here. Thanks, Scott. Fantastic. So, you know, we, we, we just had Rod Woodson on a couple of weeks ago. Rod's a good friend of mine. And so we're also staying with the NFL theme here. I think that both of you uh, have, you know, rich histories with the NFL. So I want to be able to talk a little bit about that. But Jim, let's, let's start off with you. You're the Executive Director of uh, Translational Entrepreneurship at UC Davis School of Medicine. Uh, you have a very unique story about your medical school training and your and your football career. Why don't you tell us about that? I thought that was pretty cool. No, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, I was playing at uh, football at the University of Kentucky, linebacker, three four defense, and had some good years. Uh, I got redshirted, so I was able to enter medical school at UK in Lexington, Kentucky. There during my fifth year of eligibility, and had a really good year. Was all American and went to the senior bowl and Dick Nolan was the coach down there. And uh, he said, Hey, you know, is there any way you could basically play, play football, but uh, go to medical school as well. So I went back to UK and, and talked with them and they allowed me to go for the next six years, uh, one semester a year to get my last three years. in. so I played six years with the saints and one's with one with the uh, 49ers. Uh, and it, it worked out great. It was very busy. I, a lot of miles on I-65 back and forth, but uh, it, it worked. And I had some good years, actually. 
uh, during the Bum Phillips, uh, mainly during Bum Phillips's era, and then I got to play for Bill Walsh, which was great. So, so not only did you go to, to to medical school while you were playing in college, but also while you're playing in the NFL. Yeah, no, I grad, I, I got my MD in '84 and played two more years. Uh, I decided not to not to split an internship. In fact, Jaime was down at Tulane at that time, and I I, I would round at Tulane uh, in on my off days just to kind of you know it was busy to say the least, but it was a lot of fun and made a lot of uh, friendships. And Jaime and I actually bumped into each other a couple times down in New Orleans. So, so that wasn't enough for you to, you figured you needed a little bit more education. So you decided to go to Stanford Law School. Yeah. So what I retired as a nine, was a knee injury. Uh, ironically, we're going to talk a little bit about injuries and their sequela. But uh, yeah, I was in Palo Alto at the time with the Niners and, and decided to go to law school. Uh, and uh, since then, it's really been uh, really uh, between academia and startups, really uh, focusing on innovation has really been a passion uh, that I've wanted to help entrepreneurs and, and with UC Davis Health, our faculty members who are wanting to kind of go beyond the basic research into translation and see their innovation get into use. Yeah, that's awesome. So we'll talk, I really want to get into uh, the story for both of you, because I think you've had some some knee injuries, which may have stimulated your path in your careers, especially here with uh, cellular mediated therapies. But uh, let's mo- move on over and say hi to Jaime as well. Jaime, you know, I'm usually pretty good, but man, you got you got a lot going on here too, dude. I mean, you're like, you know, you you're ENT, dental, medical school, you know, maxillofacial, plastic surgery. I'm like, my God, man, you have a lot of training in medicine. What? Tell us about that story. Uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a, a great uh, and a long journey, but a lot of fun along the way. I actually had the complete opposite experience that Jim had. When I was uh, picked up by the uh, New Orleans Saints, I was in pre-med at the time, finishing up. I was a political science major at Tulane, played football, so we weren't allowed to do afternoon uh, labs. So they said, you look like you do pretty well in political science, so I just major in that. So I did, and I minored in chemistry, but I was lacking a few biologies. Anyway, I was in a genetics class and <clears throat> was set to go to training camp, and we, our final was like the week after we're supposed to report to training camp. So I went to my professor and said, listen, I'm willing to take this test. It's really hard test. I'll take it two weeks early. And the guy said, why? I said, well, I believe it or not, I'm I'm going to the NFL again. I'm going to be in training camp. And he said, absolutely not. You don't take this test on the day I give it, you're going to fail. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, I hate the story. The anti-NFL. That's terrible. I hate that. We love the NFL. I'm a little bit older than Jim. So Jim and I played against each other in college. He was at UK. I think you were a sophomore. uh, We played you. It was the inaugural game or homecoming game of your new stadium stadium, at the time. Yeah. 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 That's where we first met. And then, uh, I followed Jim's career very happily, but you know my my road was really towards academia, and I spent several years as a chair and then a VP of our, our health science center. But that's where all the dental background, the head neck background, the ENT background. But my real interest in orthopedic or musculoskeletal work came when I was at the University of Pittsburgh, and from my sports background. So I had the pleasure of working with the great uh, Freddie Fu. It was orthopedic uh, chair at the time and a lot of the trauma guys. And I, we had a great hand in microsurgery uh, training at the University of Pittsburgh. So I spent a lot of time doing a lot of reconstructive surgery for upper extremity replants, lower extremity reconstructions. And, and then 
the other half of my career was really craniomaxillofacial trauma and pediatric work. But throughout that time, I've been involved in uh, in clinical research. Really started in Tom Startzel's lab at the University of Pittsburgh, and has gone on from there. And I guess you got you decided you needed some extra training too, so you got a law degree as well, huh? <laughs> well, no, I don't have a law degree. I actually have a healthcare law certification from the University of Texas. I didn't know enough about all these contracts that people were, were putting in front of me. So I went back and uh, I didn't do what Jim did, but I, I at least I can speak the language. That's awesome. So two underachievers that have made it through the gauntlet of the NFL and football and now into their medical careers. I have to think that, you know, your time playing football and potential injuries and the treatments that may have been available, you know, decades ago may have sort of helped to sort of steer you uh, as to where you are in your careers at this point for cellular therapy. Is there a connection there, guys? Uh, for me, for sure. Um, I'm, uh, I'm actually in the NFL study for concussions. I had probably close to a dozen concussions starting in high school through my four years at Tulane and then uh, in, the, in the NFL. And uh, it, it scares you when you think about, you know, what has happened with the the potential problems with CTE, et cetera, et cetera. So um, my interest in regenerative cell research really kind of started with that. And then, uh, you know, I had a, a horrible knee injury my senior year in college uh, with an ACL tear and other things. And um, I have arthritis and it just, you know, it's just a natural field for those of us um, uh, who, who played the game for so long. Yeah. How about yourself, Jim? Uh, yeah, for me, it was, it was more drawn to the, um, to, to the personality type of the entrepreneur. I mean, I went to medical school and I, I just have always been interested in kind of interdisciplinary stuff and had the chance to go to Stanford and it was a great experience. But, you know, lawyers are basically give advice and they don't remind you a lot of like the action that, that occurs like on a field, you know, but you get into starting companies and you get passionate uh, individuals who want to see new innovations get into the marketplace and they're really super dedicated. And, and that to me uh, reminded me of the kind of dedication you needed, you know, in the NFL to, to survive. And I was drawn to that. I, it's one of the reasons I you know, ended up leaving law and just uh, going, going into kind of the, the, the business part of uh, these uh, in innovations. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We, We've had a lot, we have a lot of great leaders and experts within orthobiologics that have been on the show. And, uh, you know, Steve Sampson, Donnie Buford, uh, most recently, uh, uh, Scott Bruder, you know, and, and really, it's, it's really difficult for, for patients and, and physicians alike, and even medical device reps who are involved in the process of selling these orthobiologics to really understand and be able to reconnoiter through the difficult understanding of what is okay and what is not okay. We spent a lot of time uh, last uh, episode, a couple episodes talking about that. And, and, you know, really that the PRPs of the world, the BMAC of the world, things like that, which are technically FDA cleared for another reason that can be used off label. If you have conversation and discussion with your patients, there's a legal precedent for the ability to use those, but the more arduous path, the more difficult path, the more challenging path is to roll through the FDA in a way that will be able to demonstrate safety and efficacy of an innovative idea and process, uh, and then be able to potentially be able to market it and be able to really say what this thing does. And that's what a, a lot of these other products can't. So 
I think we can sort of segue in here a little bit now to your your roles with with GID Bio and you know I'll sort of start off because you know at the end of the day I always say you know my mother's listening so we got to make sure that everybody understands we, we want to get rid of the acronyms we want to say real words we want people to really understand the specifics of what we're talking about so both of you are involved in a pivotal investigational device exemption which is an IDE study uh, and basically this is a allows an investigational device to be used in a clinical study to obtain pre-market approval which is the PMA thing that people talk about for class three medical devices. So the FDA is very serious about this. You can't just make claims about what you do. And they, they basically are saying you have to go through two separate studies to be able to get to the point where we can have a conversation. The first study has been done, if I'm not mistaken, you guys can talk about that. And now the second study has also been, been going on. And most importantly, which I, I find fascinating is that GID, GID Bio has been working with the FDA for eight years. And that's really, I think, how long it could take to get these innovations across the line. So, Jaime, for our listeners, we really need to, to dive into to what it is we're talking about here. So um, give us the specifics about uh, the, the material that you're using and, and how you're using it and how you're measuring the outcomes so that our everyday listeners can understand what this is about. Sure. So I, you know, I, uh, just as a disclaimer, neither Jim nor I have anything uh, any any conflicts of interest with GID, neither of us are owned by them, paid by them, own stock or anything. I just have happened to know several of the principals in the company that are actually academia uh, origins. They're from the University of Pittsburgh and uh, brilliant people, smart people, dedicated and uh, always wanting to do the right thing. And that's why I got involved initially. So there are actually two studies have been done already. One was a safety and feasibility study, which I headed up. And uh, we published that. And then the double-blinded placebo-controlled trial was uh, was uh, phase two. And this was at three sites. It was our site at uh, the Texas Center for, for Athletes in San Antonio, which is affiliated with the University of Texas, and uh, the Rothman Group in Philly. And then there was a, a group at Cooper Medical School as well, orthopedic group. Um, it was uh, it showed a lot of promise. And essentially, the basic... Uh, uh, premise of this study is that there is a device, it's a single-use sterile medical device that uh, has been listed as a non-significant risk device by the FDA. Um, adipose tissue gets suctioned into it. So there's two, you know, as everybody listening knows, there's, you know, two areas that today we mostly derive uh, regenerative cells from, is either bone marrow or it's adipose tissue. You know, if every you know, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. So I'm a plastic reconstructive surgeon and very skilled in the liposuction area. But I really believe in the uh, regenerative properties of of the the regenerative cells that are caught up in adipose tissue. You have to release those cells. So this device, the fat goes into it, gets cleansed, and an enzyme. Again, so this is under FDA guidance. Uh, the an enzyme goes in there and essentially dissociates. It's a collagenase. It disrupts all the collagen stroma in there. None of these are fat cells. These are actually stromal cells, which are made up of, you know, monocytes and macrophages and a significant number of MSCs. We don't want to call them mesenchymal stem cells anymore. Now, the great Arnie Kaplan has taught us that that is a misnomer, and we're not calling them MSCs or medicinal signaling cells or mesenchymal stromal cells, but uh, uh, that's part of where the magic is. But 
these cells in concert uh, do a phenomenal job of going into a, an inflamed joint, looking around, figuring out what needs to be fixed or fires are put out, and they secrete cytokines, these secreted tomes, and that is what signals your body to send your own stem cells into that joint to start the reparative process or your own regenerative cells to start the process. So the cells themselves are not going to rebuild cartilage. They're going to go away in a couple of weeks, but they do release enough information to your body to start the healing process. And that to me is a fascinating part of this. And I've watched this device go from a you know, significant amount of 300 grams of fat down to now about 50 grams of fat. And the process takes about an hour and a half um, to do. It's been, it's been really, uh, really interesting to watch it develop. Uh, the company is uh, very, very dedicated to doing things the right way. And that's why I work with them. I, I don't want to cut corners. I'm a scientist, uh, a clinician scientist, but I believe in doing things the right way. Yeah, you know, stem cell is now a four-letter word, right? We're, we really got to be very careful about what we're talking about and how we're marketing or discussing the things that we're using. So for the listeners, I want to go over it so that everybody understands. So so basically, it's a, it's a liposuction device, which will remove fat from an individual patient. Then there's a mechanical device uh, that is used to sort of uh, mix up the cells. You put in this enzyme thing, it breaks stuff down, and then it's not the fat cells, but it's the cells in between the fat cells uh, that can then be used. And that's called adipose-derived stromal vascular fraction cells for people that are listening. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, those cells can then be injected into the knee and create a healing response. Now, you know, regenerative is a thing. I think we have to think about that too. That's always a, the, it's a big word that can mean a lot. You know, the question is, and the outcomes that we're looking at here, you know, are we seeing regenerative cartilage or are we seeing improvement in pain and inflammation that are reported outcomes? But I think that's something that I'd like Jaime to, to describe for us. What are the outcomes on this trial that we're doing right now with the randomized controlled trial? So the outcomes for this trial, the, the primary and secondary endpoints are really pain and function. You know, really not looking at specifically as an endpoint cartilage regeneration or cartilage regrowth. However, MRIs are being obtained at certain uh, steps throughout the process, but we're really mm -hmm. looking at pain and function. And, you know, the Womax, we use the, the typical, you know, orthopedic uh, language uh, tools that we use to assess pain and function. It's Womack and VAS uh, that we use at certain in, uh, different intervals. Um, and, and it's really, to me, it's about quality of life. You know, it's really allowing somebody to sort of get back to doing some of the things that, uh, that they used to do. Now, somebody tells me they're going to hike Mount Kilimanjaro and they've never, never done it before and said, well, my knee was actually hurting when I got up there. Well, guess what? My knee would hurt too. Anybody's knee would hurt if you did that. But you know, this is about real life uh, issues and it's about quality of life. And at some point here, I hope we talk a little bit about the NFL and the NFL alumni and how we were getting sort of, uh, as you said, the word stem cell is a four letter word and we were getting finagled into sponsoring a lot of things that really weren't uh, in everybody's best interest. Yeah. I mean, I think the FDA is really cracking down and, you know, the ultimate goal here, you know, I believe in in orthobiologics. I do PRP in my office routinely, and we certainly set people up for, for BMAC and uh, as well. 
the problem is for the for the average patient where we are right now, it's an off-label use and there's no reimbursement process that's available through commercial insurance to be able to pay for these things. I think there's more and more literature, as, as Bert Mandelbaum would say. I mean, we're getting closer to the chasm of being able to prove that this stuff works, uh, but it's still a challenge. Uh, and it's going to take studies like this for our listeners to be able to show the safety and efficacy and then the outcomes of improvement in osteoarthritis knee pain that will then get across the threshold where the FDA says, yes, this medical device for stromal vascular fraction cells improves outcomes. We therefore think it's safe. We're therefore going to FDA approve this, not necessarily clear it, and then allow for a potential for reimbursement possibilities for, for our patients down the line. So you know, I really commend you guys for 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 taking this on. It is not an easy path, and it takes it will take more than one decade uh, to get to the point where it becomes established. But you know, you know, Jaime, you brought up a great point. Let's let's move into the NFL. I think that's a really interesting story, and I'm sure Jim can contribute as well as to to what was happening in the NFL with regenerative medicine and how you guys were were sort of schnookered, if you will, through the process. Well. Uh... When I was playing, this was back in the 80s, there, there, it didn't exist. You know, there, there were just very uh, large arthroscopes that, that, couldn't, <laughs> that couldn't repair posterior and anterior cruciate uh, ruptures like I got. So that's why I left. But then uh, <clears throat> little by little, um, you know, there started to be kind of uh, entree in, into the field. And, uh, and then as you really expertly pointed out, I, I got to say, the way you describe things is like spot on uh, and and uh, do a good job of describing kind of the clinical practice of medicine and, and the, you know, the inability or lack of interest of the FDA of trying to enforce that. So there are point of care therapies that developed and some had some scientific merit and at least were trying and others didn't. And but uh, but with the 10,000 NFL alumni, they're just kind of sitting ducks there as, as targets, you know, both to recommend things because of their name and to actually be subjects. And, and uh, you know, there was a period of time that still exists a little bit, but much, much less in terms of, of, of uh, companies essentially kind of, um, you know, like, like I said, uh, targeting players to, to get these, uh, to, to get these therapies that, uh, that led to a lot of confusion and kind of bad outcomes, uh, and 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 uh, didn't just didn't work. So, a couple of organizations, um, again, Jaime and I got to know these separately. But the NFL Alumni is a fantastic organization that has the NFL Shield, and 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 there's a couple others that have really kind of jumped in through the NFL Players Association to to really try to educate. Uh, the former NFL players on, on these subjects. And, and that's how Jaime and I kind of re reconnected is essentially uh, in, in sponsorships at some of the leading ICC and uh, other leading uh, stem cell uh, uh, conferences, you know, to basically kind of number one, educate um, the attendees, but number two, importantly, to try to do some outreach to industry. I mean, as a part of the solution here is really trying to get industry involvement into, you know, taking the long view, looking at the numbers of, of uh, individuals with uh, arthritis then that essentially would be potential customers and kind of seeing past the fact, yeah, nothing's reimbursed now. It's, it's a long, a little bit longer, you know, route, but uh, there's some real opportunity. And that's another thing the NFL 
alumni, you know, we've been able to work with them to try to do some education to the uh, industry out there to do rigorous sponsorship. Jaime, mean, you want to elaborate on that NFL alumni process? Sure. Um, you know, we we both uh, we get emails from the NFL alumni all the time, and I had started down this research path over a decade ago, and you know, I was receiving emails from different leadership at the time about the X company is now uh, sponsoring the NFL alumni, and they will treat two of our NFL alumni uh, members for free each month. Uh, so you guys sign up and let's get going. And, uh, you know, I would do a Google search and see who the company was. And, you know, these were, again, I'm not going to name any companies, but obviously fly-by-night groups that would get together. And essentially what they're doing is hoodwinking the NFL alumni leadership and then putting their NFL alumni, putting our NFL alumni logo on their website. And, you know, it's a million dollars worth of marketing. And so there were scams happening all over the place. So I, I sent an email and didn't get a response to the NFL alumni. And then I wrote a pretty long letter as a physician, physician scientist, and as an NFL alumni member saying, I, I have to question these practices. What the heck is going on? And some things did change. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, leadership changed. Bart Oates came on board. He, he got Kyle Richardson, the great Kyle Richardson from the Baltimore Ravens and Billy Davis from the Ravens and the Cowboys to head up a, to start a healthcare subcommittee. And lo and behold, as time went on, essentially the focus became to quit selling the NFL alumni logo so cheaply and selling our members so cheaply. And then Jim got involved in this. I think we were down in Miami, right, Jim? Yeah. And, we're pro- and, and we sort of hopefully have helped to educate the non-medical portion of the NFL alumni. And they're, they're really going down a great road right now. They've done some remarkable, remarkable things for the membership. And our job was caring, you know, our motto is caring for our own, caring for kids and caring for our own. And I think now we've really uh, got some great leadership. Yeah, they've, they've, they've had a couple of educational summits uh, specifically for the alumni members. And it's a who's who. Arnie Kaplan is there, right? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Arnie was, Kaplan yeah. and the guys from Wake Forest and Emory and yeah. really great stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not just the NFL alumni that, that have been, you know, injured in this process of the wild, wild west of the claims of so many of these companies. And, I'll, I'll never forget the story. I'm in a taxi cab going to the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery in Las Vegas. And a woman knows I'm an orthopedic surgeon. She reaches she reaches behind and says, hey, doc, I got my amniotic stem cells and I'm really excited. You know, it was $5,000 a knee. I took out my home equity loan and I'm really excited to be able to get better. So it's like you hear stories like that. It's just it's it's so it's so desperate. So I'm really pleased that the FDA is sort of awakened out of the pandemic and is really making, you know, public service announcements at this point to really try and educate, you know, the people that's out there. So, you know, as we close, guys, I think that one of the things that I, you know, when I think about, and, and I'll ask this to you specifically, you know, Jaime, is, you know, I think of like, you know, orthobiologics right now as like a shotgun, right? You know, we're, we're shooting a shotgun in there with a bunch of pellets, and there's no question that one or two of those pellets in there right. are really sort of doing the trick. And the question becomes, you know, everything that we're talking about is point of care, right? Where we you take it out, you mix it up, and then you put it into the patient at the time of the event. But somewhere down the line, we're probably going to be able to find those rifle bullets, uh, and then we can extract them from this process, then be able to 
maybe mass produce them and really be able to, to, to go about. Do you think that's a, that's a pie in the sky or do you think that's a, a possibility? No, no, actually, you know, it, everything's a continuum and, you know, this research isn't going to stop at this point. So the, there's a great uh, stem cell scientist that's out of Tulane University who's now uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. He took a position at North Texas uh, State University and TCU, Bruce Bunnell. And Bruce is uh, one of the leading uh, thinkers and scientists, in a PhD, in, in this realm. And he's looking at, we started this at Tulane, he's taking off with it, is really, we know that we, we, we're getting about an 88% response rate. And of those 88% that responded, 89%, they got an 89% improvement over baseline Womack and VAS scores, which is remarkable. You know, you don't get that with penicillin. But, you know, the thought is, you're right, it's a milieu of stuff. What specifically is it? That's causing this. Is it one particular secretome, exosome, cell? We don't know, but that's where the next decade of research is going to focus on. And ultimately, I think the holy grail is going to be to have an allogeneic product that everybody can absolutely look their patient in the eye and said, this is real and this works and it's worth every penny as opposed to what's happening today. Yeah, no, that that's a, it's great advice. Look, guys, I really want to commend you for for really being passionate about something that is such a slow and arduous process, but yet really, you know, so important. It's great to know that we have real scientific leaders here that that are really trying to make a difference for our patients uh, and, and to really be able to create new therapies. It's really been a pleasure having you both on the show. Thank you, Scott. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. And it's always a pleasure to be on with Jim. Always a pleasure. <laughs> um, feelings mutual. We have a bromance. The two of us have a bromance. <laughs> yeah, well, we're genuinely looking forward to the start of the NFL season as, as well as most of us, I'm sure. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.